0: The was a podcast channel is brought to you by First Nations Fiber.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to The Lead, where we discuss the news and events happening in the community of Kahnawake. In this episode, we discuss junior and senior lacrosse in Kahnawake, Bill 96, and the Indigenous Block Party. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on FNFiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Hey everyone, my name is Jordan Standup. I am the assistant editor here at Yeriwaze, and today I am joined by my esteemed colleagues. First, our editor and publisher, Greg Horn, as well as our contributing writer, Mark Lalonde. Welcome to the studio today, gentlemen. Hello. Good morning. It's a pleasure to
2: be here as always. How are you guys doing? Can't complain. The weather is good, summer's upon us, and lots of fun things are coming down the pipe. What Mark said. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what Mark said. And I'm glad that Mark mentioned that it's summer because it is officially summer here in Gonawage, which means lacrosse, lots of lacrosse. And for that, I will turn to our resident lacrosse expert, Mr. Greg Horn. So Greg, could you tell us a little bit about the Hunters season that
0: was? The Hunters season came to an end mid-June. It wasn't quite the season that the Hunters had expected. It's the first season coming off of the COVID break where there was no lacrosse for the last two summers. And there was a lot of young players uh, who were just starting out their junior career who missed out on their midget careers. Uh, so that was a huge factor in the Hunters' performance this season. You know, and, and there was, you know, there was a couple, couple of games where I think things could have gone a little bit different and, and, and would have come out with wins. And at the end of the day, uh, the Hunters ended with a record of 3-17. and You know, I think Ontario Junior Lacrosse season is, is is quite demanding. It's 20 games in about six weeks. The, the hunters play in the, the far east division with Aguazesne, Gloucester and the PN and then they travel to the to the Toronto area twice a year. You know to play uh, against uh, this year. This year the hunters played against Aurelia and Orangeville in their first road trip of the year. And Orangeville is, uh, you know, it's it's a lacrosse hotbed. It, it, it's the first time in 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 several years that Orangeville has a a junior B team, but they also have a junior C team and a very you know, promising and a good junior A team, uh, which features Colton Marquis and Trey Deer from Kahnawake. You know, Trey, Trey was drafted by by the uh, Orangeville uh, Northmen last season, I believe, you no, know, two seasons ago. So he he has only played for the Hunters as a midget call-up, you know, in the 2019 season. Colton had played, uh, had, had, had finished his school, uh, his high school lacrosse season at the beginning of June and then joined the Hunters for uh, four or five games and then at the end of the year, when it was apparent that we weren't going to be making a playoff push, Colton had moved up to junior 8 to uh, finish the season with uh, with Orangeville, and you know his his play is playing very well out there. So, although
1: the uh, the Hunter's season is over, the Mohawks are back on the floor at the senior level, and they're looking really, really good so far.
0: Yes, uh, the Ganowangi Mohawks. Uh, it, it's also the first time uh, the Ganowangi Mohawks uh, uh, senior B team has played since the 2019 President's Cup, which, uh, of course, we hosted here at Nalaga Sports Complex. You know, it started off uh, very strong uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, going 3-0, and and then playing a very strong Capital Region Axman team fell for for their first loss uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then this past Friday, at a game in in Cornwall against the, the Snake Island Muskies, you know, it came down to really the last minute, last seconds. And the Muskies prevailed for their first win of the season to uh, win ten uh, nine, I believe. Then the Mohawks hosted the Axmen on Saturday night uh, at the Ganoga Sports Complex and uh, prevailed by a score of fifteen to four.
1: And and you were mentioning before, Greg, that uh, clearly the community has missed lacrosse because these home games for the Hunters and the Mohawks are uh, there's been big crowds.
0: Yeah, the the community uh, has really come out and support supported both both lacrosse teams, which is. Uh, which is just amazing, you know, and, and the Hunters, uh, despite their troubles this season, you know, they put on a very, very, ama- very entertaining show and, and, you know, the crowd, I think each game has been uh, well over five or 600 people uh, in attendance. And the same same goes through, uh, goes for the for the Mohawk season. Uh, the attendance has been very good. You know, I think part of that is that this year, you know, with, with only one senior B lacrosse team, a lot of the community's best players are coming out and playing for the Mohawks and, that's showing, you know, up on the scoreboard and, and in the stands. Sticking with our sports theme, the Cattery
1: Memorial Foundation hosted the charity golf tournament at the Kenawakee Golf Club earlier this month, and they raised a very, very nice chunk of change. 150000 in fact.
0: Yeah, $150,000 from one golf tournament is phenomenal. For, you know, from one day of golf, you know, and that's after all the bills were paid, uh, you know, Paying the green fees, paying for the carts and the meal and and everything, and uh, you know, w- with all the donations from people from the silent auction uh, or from the auction, and then from some of the side bets that were going on, and and all that, you know, to raise one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the Cattery Memorial Foundation one day is 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 quite phenomenal, and and the community never ceases to amaze, you know, for 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 things like that for worthy causes in the community, and you know, the Cattery Memorial Foundation. It benefits the Catter Memorial Hospital Center as well as other unfunded health related needs in the community. So just something phenomenal for, for the community to, to do. And, uh, you know, and, and when it's the business community coming together to sponsor all these things and, you know, and have a great day of golf is, is it's just phenomenal. And and with your very own eyes, you nearly saw a community member
1: become a millionaire.
0: Oh yeah, that was that was amazing. Uh, I, uh, one of the staples that has become part of the the annual golf tournament is is the million dollar shootout, which is sponsored by Playground Playground Poker. The the very first year, community member uh, Matt Kirby hit the pin. And how they were doing it before was the million dollar shootout took place on the on the ninth hole. You know, and, and for those who are who may not be familiar with uh, the layout of Kanawake, the ninth hole is, is right in front of the clubhouse and, it, and, and it's like a bowl. So, you know, you can't from from the tee, you can't see you can't see the green, but you can see the pin. And, and, and it gave specta- spectators the opportunity to, to stand around and, 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 and watch. This year they did something a little bit different. They went on the 18th. They, they, they set up a, a tee 145 yards out from the hole. And uh, again, if if people are unfamiliar with with the layout of Kanawaki, the 18th hole, the green is is right next to the the, the, the balcony uh, of the of the clubhouse. So everybody who was enjoying refreshments after afterwards and just relaxing before dinner was was sitting outside and you know watching the Million Dollar Shootout. And Jimmy Phillips, he came the closest. There was a couple of shots that were that came really close, but Jimmy's shot. Came, came up, it, it went just from from our perspective, it, it went just left of the hole, and started rolling down, and, and literally missed missed the rolling into the cup by by less than an inch. And you know, had had that gone in, it would have been a uh, million dollars for 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 Mr. Phillips. Uh, you know, and I don't think anybody was more excited besides Jimmy than than Notre uh, who was standing standing by watching and and you could see him screaming like, "Oh, oh that's excellent. And uh, Noda Begay was actually invited uh,
1: by Robbie Dixon to come and join in on this year's tournament correct?
0: yeah, and that that made it something something crazy and made another competition within the the tournament. and so Robbie said that he would bet any team any amount of money, minimum minimum bet a thousand dollars that he would match, that any team wouldn't be able to beat his team. And his team consisted of, of himself, Nota Begay, and a couple other uh, really strong uh, local golfers. I don't remember offhand who, was, who else was on it. At the end of the, the, the day, it was, there was two teams tied, Robbie's team and a team, I believe, captained by Paul Rice. They were both at minus 13, so that meant a playoff. So each team was going to be playing the 18th hole until the tie was broken. In that playoff, it was, you know, I think uh, Paul's team, had a chance for a birdie and to end up getting a par, and using Robbie's shot onto the green and then Robbie's putt, the Robbie's team was able to was able to come out on top and 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 score a birdie to win the uh, win the tournament. Wow! And w- when all was said and done, the the total bets within that side group of tournament with Robbie Robbie's team matching was thirty nine thousand dollars. Robbie Robbie and his team donated that thirty nine thousand dollars back right back to the to the fundraiser, so that helped pay uh, pay a lot of the bills and and make sure that the donation was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
1: That's incredible! A- absolutely, congratulations to everybody involved in that tournament in whatever capacity, because the that one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is is amazing. Another issue that's been uh, dominating the headlines of your and. Pretty much all around our area is Bill 96, Our uh, the Kahnawake Education Center earlier this month announced that
0: they were exploring the possibility of offering grade 12. Yes. For those who are unfamiliar, Bill 96 was passed by the Quebec National Assembly, and it's a bill to, to strengthen Quebec's chartered French language. Uh, which is also known as Bill 101. And it gives way more powers and to the, the French language police, the Office Québécois de la langue française. It adds all kinds of new French requirements in CJP. It prevents healthcare workers from speaking English to certain members of the, the Quebec population. You know, any business at larger than 25 employees is required to do all its internal communications in French, and the office quebecois de la langue française has now, will now have the, the power to uh, monitor such communication, emails and text messages without a warrant. There's a lot of concerns over over this bill. And one of those concerns is, is at the CGIP level. Anybody attending an English CGIP in, in the province of Quebec, first of all, it sets a cap at, it lowers the amount of, of students that are allowed to attend Quebec's CGIP. So 17 and a half percent of the entire student population in the province of Quebec attending university can attend an English CGIP in the province of Quebec. There's going to be less spots available for for students. And now, instead of just passing two French language courses, one per year, uh, you have to now pass five total French courses uh, in your CGIP career. And in order to graduate, you also have to pass a French language proficiency test, which is the same test that students in French CGIPs have to pass at the end of their CGIP their career. So it's, it's, it's a huge concern, right? We've seen, you know, schools like Cooper Academy announced that they will begin offering a grade 12 option, which will give the students an Ontario secondary diploma, which would then allow them to attend university anywhere, not just in Quebec, without going to CGIP. The Gunawang Education Center announced in the last two weeks that it was also exploring the option of offering a grade 12. Now, Kahnawake is in a unique position because the Quebec government has an agreement with the community saying that it will recognize Kahnawake's secondary school diplomas. It doesn't say to recognize Kahnawake's secondary school diplomas to grade 11. So, so if they, they decide they're going to go to grade 12, that's the option. Then, then students can go directly from high school, I had to go to survival school, in, into university. There's, they're still working out the logistics and, and whether or not it's going to be possible and what kind of additional cost is going to be and how many people would be interested in doing it. So I believe they, they, they plan to have uh, a decision by, by the start of the next school year and about what, what's, what's going to happen uh, with that possibility. There's definitely a lot
1: of uh, interesting things on that front as we as we move forward. A little bit earlier, we were just talking about raising money, and uh, now I'm going to turn to Mark, who's going to tell us
2: about a hair-raising fundraiser. That was a real interesting story that we happened upon last week in, in discussions with a member of the Gunnawaga Animal Control Unit, was telling me about the low-cost spay-neuter program, and this particular technician also works a day a week in Kirkland at the Timberley Veterinary Clinic, where... A veterinarian shaved her head, raised funds for it, and donated all of the proceeds to the Kahnawake low-cost spay-neuter program for pets. It's it's quite a cool piece of, uh, of news. And I think the most important story takeaway is that when this this veterinarian started raising the money, she envisioned herself raising $1,000 and she ended up raising four times that amount. And it's not quite as big as the Gattery Memorial Golf Tournament, but at four times, your target for a fundraiser, that's that's pretty impressive. So what that's going to mean is effectively uh, that will subsidize a whole lot of, of low-cost spay-neuter appointments or possibilities for Kahnawake pets. So it's, it's, it's super cool. And I love to see these types of initiatives, especially when it comes to pets, because it, it's really important that you get your pet spayed or neutered, not only for their health, but for the health of all the people and animals around them. Now, sticking with our,
1: our, our summer fun theme topic from a little bit earlier, uh, community members of all ages gathered together for the Indigenous Block Party at the Kahnawake Sports Complex just within the last couple of weeks. And Greg, can you tell us a little about some of the events that were happening that day? June
0: 21st, which is also National Indigenous Peoples Day, formerly known as National Aboriginal Day, the Indigenous Block Party was held that day to coincide with that holiday and to kick things off was a skateboard day. And that was a really cool event that Scott Berwick from the cultural center had organized. He had actually had a really cool initiative earlier on this year where Kanigahaga artists from Ganawage, Kanistage, uh, Tainanaga, Six Nations, and maybe Agwazasne had designed uh, skateboards and made designs for skateboards and, and they were put on skateboards. And these decks were sold at the cultural centers of each community and you know the, the skateboards from the local artists here in Gunawage uh, sold out at the cultural center here and you know that that's kind of what kick-started this whole thing and then uh, as a part of it there was a there was some vendors uh, tourism Kahnawake tourism got involved there was the painting of a community mural there was a lacrosse demonstration and later on a lacrosse game a soccer game uh, featuring the gunnawage senior women's soccer team playing against a squad from aguazasne uh, which was a really really cool thing to see because you don't get to see Kanawagi and competing in soccer very often. You know, there was just, it was really just a fun day, a bunch of vendors, there was some food and the weather wasn't like, it was cloudy, a little bit overcast, but it wasn't hot. And the community really came out and supported this, this initiative and it was something really cool to see. And hopefully uh, we see things like that, you know, happen again in the future. This
1: summer also marks the 50th anniversary of the Onage Paddling Club, and of course they're hosting uh, an array of events throughout the season to mark the anniversary, including a regatta just recently where they had some participation from outside clubs. And I know they're going to be introducing some family nights and different things like that again and incorporating more Ganyageha into their regular programming. And that's just a shout out for Onage because, you know, they've been in the community for that long and just the things that they've been doing for the youth,
0: especially as of late. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's such a great initiative. Onage Paddling Club is, uh, you know, become a staple in this community, you know, and it's 50 years old. And it's something that I think the community can be proud of. And there hasn't been a regatta here in, in, in the last couple of years, especially over COVID. So the regatta was held, you know, it was the first one of the season in the area. We're, we're starting to see more and more competitive paddlers come out of Onage. And and, and one of the things that I think that we need to really uh, highlight about the Onage Paddling Club is, is that, It has also helped produce an Olympic champion. You know, Alan Morris was a member of the Onaga Paddling Club and uh, he won uh, a gold medal and a bronze medal at the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. That's that's something that's an important part of uh, the
1: community's history. We're nearly finished with the month of June now and we're heading obviously into July. Of course, this July, July 9th and 10th, is the return of the Echoes of Proud Nation powwow, which I'm sure the whole community is really looking forward to. But I wanted to ask you guys both, Personally and on a professional level, what are you looking forward to?
2: I am looking forward to the food. I have heard such amazing things about the food stands and trucks available at the Echoes of a Proud Nation powwow. And I'll be quite frank with you, I am coming down to sample every last one of them. So I cannot wait. I'm going to go for a long walk in the morning and lift weights and build up an appetite. And then I'm going to spend my day out here chowing down on the very best of what Guanajuato has to offer. And I cannot wait. I think it's important to note too that
0: even though it, it's now 31 years since the, the Echoes of proud Nation powwow first happened you know, in the summer of 1991, this will be the 30th anniversary because we lost out on... The last two Echoes of Proud Nation Powwows because of the pandemic, so this is a very special powwow for the community. It's been one of those long-standing summer traditions that was born out of the tumultuous summer of 1990, and the following year in 1991, the first Echoes of Proud Nation Powwow was was introduced as as a way to show our neighbors that we're not bad people, inviting them into our community to celebrate and experience some indigenous culture. Powwow isn't a Haudenosaunee thing, but it also features the smoke dance competition. It features local artists and, you know, a lot of different, you know, indigenous cultures from across North America, you know, come to the Echoes of Proud Nation Powwow. And, uh, you know, it's an important weekend. It's our community extending an olive branch to our neighbors and and, and those who are interested in learning about, about our community to come here and, and, and experience some of our culture. Well, we're certainly
1: looking forward to covering that. And as Mark was just mentioning, we're certainly looking forward to the food. Oh, boy, are we ever. Well, with that being said, uh, I'd like to thank you, gentlemen, for coming in today and just talking about some of the things that have been making headlines in our community over the past month.
0: And you all go, Jordan.
1: Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for listening to The Lead. Be sure to check out our other podcasts like Meatheads and The Beating Table on Google and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.